Hello and welcome to the Mindset and Self Mastery Show. I'm your host, Nick McGowan, and on this show, my guests and I unpack the stories that shape us and the lives that we lead on our path to self-mastery. So let's not wait any longer. Let the games begin. Hey, Pat, welcome to the show, man. How are you doing? Uh, I'm great, thanks, Nick. How are you going? I'm good. I, it's, uh, it's funny, when we first jumped on here, before we hit record, and we're just shooting the breeze, talking about the episode and all, uh, I'd asked if you were drinking coffee because you told me it was 4.30 in the morning. So, man, I appreciate you getting up and having as much energy as you do. I, uh, I'd basically be dragging my ass around for 15 minutes at least for, at 4.30 in the morning, and here I am. 12 hours apart from you. Uh, but man, thank you for jumping on, being awesome. Uh, I'm excited to get into the stuff that, that we're going to get into today. So why don't you give us a little bit of context? Tell us who you are, what you do for a living, and one thing that most people don't know about you that's maybe a little odd or bizarre. Yeah. So um, so I reside in uh, Perth, Australia. So that's the time zone difference. Um, and uh, previously, I was in the construction and property uh, business for or industry for the last 20 years uh, but in the last year I've, I've shifted um, so I started to learn to, to trade the Australian stock market initially and then from there um, I got into a um, I guess a mission that I felt sort of uh, pulled towards which was to help single dads uh, something that I've experienced myself um, and also from the perspective of, the, of, a, of a child as well um, and uh, something interesting or odd about myself so the only one time that i've ever been to the snow was in austria and that was actually a surprise trip for uh my birthday so we went from florence by train overnight to austria and uh so i woke up in the snow and i was like okay cool no worries no one's there at all um in the town i thought this is a bit bit odd it's a bit strange so go to the uh we go to the sort of the ski shop. Um, that's not open either. Like, okay, this is interesting. So we uh, we get on the bus to go to the um, you know, to the you know where the snow is, and everyone's there. So we found out there was the Austrian national holiday. Um, so I'm seeing these little kids at age of like six going down uh, the mountain with you know no no sticks, and I was like, oh. That's, uh, that's pretty interesting. And so I've never experienced the snow or skied or anything like that before. And um, I was adamant that, no, nah, I didn't want to ski. I wanted to snowboard. And um, so for the majority of the first day, because there wasn't enough time to organize a lesson, um, I was pretty much eating snow. And we went in uh, at lunchtime uh, for, uh, for a bit of a break. And, and I took off my jacket and I was absolutely drenched where everyone else was completely bone dry. So that's, uh, that's one of the uh, stories that uh, I haven't really shared too often. Uh, but yeah. Yeah, I, I kind of wonder how you'd get into some of that stuff. Like, that's not like a random thing where you're like, hey, nice to meet you. I'm Pat, by the way, when I was little, this thing happened. You're like, what? Okay. I guess it's only, you know, shit like this where some random bearded dude's like, hey, tell me the weird thing about you. Um, but what a hell of a story, man. I mean, even just, so the people here in the States, that's not typically where somebody's like, yeah, I first experienced snow in Austria. Oh, 
that's pretty awesome. Typically, they're like, yeah, it was somewhere in Jersey and it started to snow and it looked dirty um, or, you know, something like that. Uh, it's funny, as somebody who's in Florida, I appreciate that I don't have snow down here, but it is cool to be able to go see it every so often. Um, and that's just an interesting thing. Do you guys, are there any parts of Australia that get any sort of, any sort of snow? Yeah, um, so more towards the east side of Australia where I'm originally from, like Melbourne, or oh, sorry, in Victoria, um, there's parts, uh, you know, you gotta travel out probably maybe three hours from the city, um, and I believe uh, in the Blue Mountains in, near, in Sydney, uh, New South Wales, um, but they're pre sort of pretty much, that's it, they're, they're the two locations where you get snow. Other than that, the, the closest country would be New Zealand um, that people venture to. Uh, but yeah, snow, snow for us is not a common you know, um, appearance. So if we get a bit of hail, that's like kind of snow for us. <laughs> sure. That's more like destructive snow. Like, shit, my car windshields are going to be busted out snow. <laughs> that's funny, man. <clears throat> so that, uh, that is a little interesting. But let's get, into, uh, let's get into the reason why you're here. Let's talk about the resilient dad thing. So it looked like there was some stuff that um, you just went through some turmoil kind of growing up, but then found yourself in a similar spot that you didn't want to be. So kind of, uh, you know, start us off from, from where you want with the whole resilient dad story. Yeah. So, um, the journey obviously begins as, as sort of a child going through that experience. But, uh, and one of the, one of the things that I always said that was, I'm just going to make sure that if it's the only thing that I ever do, I'm never ever going to have my children in the same situation. Um, and be known, I uh, recreated the pattern. <laughs> um, and um, unfortunately, my uh, first son, um, his mother and I, we just separated prior to finding out that he was, um, you know, that she was pregnant. And, um, you know, I thought it was, you know, the right thing to do to try and stick around and support through the sort of, you know, initial stages. But with something like that, there's, you know, a lot of emotions and, and so forth. And, um, yeah, um, unfortunately the, uh, the co-parenting experience wasn't the, uh, the greatest and, um, you know, spending like four odd years in family court. Um, you know, my son's only turning six next month. So it's pretty much a majority of his life. Um, and so through that experience of, um, you know, going through those challenges, like my sort of my health and, and my life was pretty much like a yo-yo, just constantly going up and down, um, to the point where, you know, I, I couldn't manage without antidepressants. It was like, it was like a necessity. It was like pretty much like air for me. If, if, I, wouldn't, if I didn't have, um, my tablets, it was like, I'd freak out. Um, so, you know, that were, that was a kind of state that I sort of got into. Um, and then, yeah, it, it took for me to sort of get away from my, my situation and saying that, you know what, it, I've had enough. Um, I can't continue like this because I've got, you know, three young boys and I need to, I need to step up and, and, uh, you know, and become the dad that I want to. Um, and the role model for them. So, um, yeah, it's, um, I guess I, I reached my, my threshold and, and that was kind of my turning point. Yeah. That's gotta be tough as, um, as a kid yourself being like, fuck, I don't want any of this. I don't want any parts of this. 
And in fact, when I get older and have children, I'm not going to do this. And then you find yourself being like, fuck, I'm doing this. This is how this thing worked out. Uh, I had a similar situation. My mom and dad, honestly, I think they still say they probably fucking hate each other, uh, which sucks because there are times where I try to put them into different, like the same room to be able to talk. Because look, I'm a grown ass fucking man at this point. We should be able to talk about things. But there's still stuff that they had gone through that was trauma for them. That was also trauma for me. And I've kind of said the same thing. Now, I don't have any kids, um, at, at least yet. I'd like to have kids at some point. But honestly, dude, I've said the same shit where I'm like, I don't ever want to go through this. I want to do this differently. So when you found yourself in that spot, then it sounded like the antidepressants and like needing your pills was a thing where you were like, oh, shit, I I feel like I need this stuff to do this. Was that the Was that the like breaking or the waking point? Or was there something else that happened that kind of slapped you in the mouth and you're like, Oh, I need to do something different. Yeah. Um, the other major um, sort of impact that going through that experience had was um, I had a habit of like, I'd be constantly eating, you know, and not good food. Uh, you know, I'd be eating, for instance, McDonald's for breakfast. Um, I think you guys call it Burger King in the States for lunch, KFC for dinner. And I'd even have a second dose um, somewhere during the day. And, and I went from, um, like 107 kilos to 137 kilos within months. Um, so 30 kilos, which I believe is like something close to 50, 60 pounds for you guys. Um, and I could reach that threshold and, and snap, snap it back where, you know, I could drop 20 kilos in, in, um, you know, 10 weeks, but it got to the point where, uh, it was affecting like I'd, I'd have high, constant high blood pressure. Um, I'd develop like sleep apnea. Um, and, and that's where it, it was kind of like, okay, if I don't actually do something, forget about potentially me not being able to cope through the situation, my health is gonna take me. Um, so that was kind of one of the, the, other, the other factors of having those, getting into that, you know, that pattern of, or those destructive patterns. Um, where, you know, I thought in the interim, they're great coping mechanisms, um, but that's it. They're, they're very short lived. Yeah. Just like McDonald's and most of that shit is a great idea until afterwards. And you're like, oh, fuck, no, I shouldn't have done that at all. But were you using that um, to just, I'm looking for the best way to put this, but I think the easiest way is basically a happy a little dopamine hit of like, I know I can get consistent shit from this and it'll make me sort of happy. Uh, after you went through that, did you find yourself being able to actually process through the stuff that was not making you happy? Or was it just more difficult for you to like work your way through that addiction to then work your way to act what the actual problem was? Yeah. Um, it was actually moving, um, you know, interstate, and, and moving away from, you know, uh, the industry that I was in, because I, you know, I'd, I'd pretty much start my day, you know, five o'clock in the morning, because we started at seven o'clock um, in the morning, sort of on site. And I wouldn't see my wife or my kids. I wouldn't see my kids when, when I come home, I'd barely see my wife. And that, for the last sort of four years, I was kind of, that was it. Like, I've got to work my ass off, I've got to get through this, um, while dealing with all the other stuff. But then being able to shift and sort of move away from that environment and just sort of take a breath, um, I was actually able to analyze 
some of my patterns and, and like, it was funny, I was going through some photos because you know, we'd un been unpacking and so forth and I'd seen uh, photos of um, me as a baby and one of them were, uh, was my grandmother and I and she was, you know, she was feeding me. So, um, and two of the closest people that I had in my life were my grandparents because my mother and my father had me quite young. So my mother was a couple, a couple months shy of 18 and my dad was 21. Um, so I'd spend a lot of time with my grandparents and, and that was one of the ways that they showed love was, was through, you know, food. And, and then I realized like, shit, this is, this is how I'm, I'm seeking that love and connection through food because that's something that has been sort of, uh, ingrained in me as a child, like, you know, that food is a place of, you know, love and family and, and all that. So it was having that time away to be able to realize those patterns and then, okay, see them okay they're not this pattern's not actually serving me and it's not actually helping me um and what are the things that i can actually do to replace those patterns because i think it's great to get rid of the pattern but if we don't replace it with something else we usually go back to it um so yeah i was um fortunate enough that during the move um to the other side of australia i was given a um a gift from a friend to a, uh, an event, a, uh, a Tony Robbins event um, called UPW. And, and it was literally one of the best four days because it, it, it's a completely different environment to what I was used to and um, some sort of insights into myself um, really helped me to start formulating sort of an understanding of why I was doing certain things as well as being able to see, okay, what is it that I actually want? Because we focus so much on what we don't want that we completely forget about, you know, what we want or why we want it. Um, and yeah, and, and that really sort of helped. I'm sure that 10 day challenge where you can't eat anything with a face at the end of UPW, I'm sure that helped with the whole nutrition thing. Yeah, that's pretty much the start of the uh, no caffeine. Yeah. Oh, it makes sense. All right, cool. <clears throat> I've, I've done UPW a couple of times. Um, and I know that can be one of those shockers in a sense that can shock you out of the system that you're in. But it's it's interesting, the, the shit that you went through when you were a little kid to now being in the spot where you need to kind of fix yourself and get yourself out of that spot. I would imagine that's gotta be pretty difficult being in the industry that you're in. Having to work with different guys that are uh, in a, I don't mean this in any derogatory way at all, but they're grunts. Some of them are just grunts and just, almost brutal to the point where they they won't allow for things to be able to open up and have conversation and if you're around that constantly and then same with the food you just keep putting the shit in your system because it's just easier to do it it's like an easier review sort of thing so what was it that you found after upw that helped you to be able to kind of stick to that stuff outside of like the whole adrenaline because we get it whenever you go to any conference you're all fucking excited and you're like yeah we're gonna do this thing i'm all hype then you come back and you're like shit real world so how did you go from that and be able to continually grow from it? So one of the, the biggest things that I started with was I was like, you know, what? regardless of what happens during the day, the mornings are mine. Um, and this is where I, I take, take care of myself. And I created this morning sort of, you know, I guess ritual or, or pattern where um, I'd you know start with, for instance, just a 45 minute walk. So it'd be like four in the morning. Um, and I'd 
just go out there. There'd be no one there and it was a perfect time for me to just get out there, get some fresh air, uh, move my body. Because uh, one of my goals every day was I'm going to get at least 10,000 steps in a day. So that helped me sort of on the, um, you know, halfway pretty much to, to my goal during that 45 minute walk. And then from there, I would, um, you know, listen to some sort of educational or positive sort of, you know, um, recording during the walk. So utilizing, you know, my time as efficiently as possible. And then, um, you know, I'd do a 15 minute sort of uh, stretching um, workout exercise where I'd, I'd look after sort of, you know, uh, my body in terms of alignment and so forth. Cause you know, I used to be an addict of pretty much going to the osteo Cairo or the masseuse cause my, my back was, was always an issue. Like it was a weekly occurrence where from that I was able to pretty much, you know, um, not need those, you know, therapy because I was actually taking care of myself. And then I'd finish up by jumping in the cold shower for three minutes. So every day I get into a full on, I go as cold as I can. Um, and I get there in there for, for three minutes and that pretty much just shocks the body and wakes me up and I, I've actually, I used it on the weekend, um, where I was kind of sort of in my head for a little bit and I was like, okay, there's a pool out there. It's winter. I'm not going to get into the shower. I'm going to jump in the pool instead. Um, so I jumped in the pool and it was freezing, but as soon as I got out of it, I was like, okay, sweet completely got out and wake you up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, cause that's the last thing you're worrying about is an actual shock to the system. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so creating that morning routine where it was like, okay, it's not time that I could be spending with, you know, uh, my family or my kids or anything. Uh, I'm well sort of prior to everyone waking up, but I'm taking care of, of what I, you know, of myself every day. And I think creating that helped me to, to be able to manage with whatever else was gonna happen during the day because I'd already taken care of myself and I wasn't necessarily just putting myself sort of last and trying to, you know, deal with everything else and leaving it till at night time and, you know, where you, you pretty much can't be fucked like at, at night. Uh, and yeah, so, I was like, just focused on morning routine and what are the things that I can do today to move the needle just a little bit forward. Um, where prior I was always about, okay, I'm gonna get from zero to 100 now or yesterday. Um, where it's like, okay, that hasn't worked in the past for me. So what's actually sustainable? So, and that's where I've um, slowly built, you know, additional habits on that have, um, yeah, really sort of helped me to change things around. Yeah. That consistency, especially in the morning when you, uh, when you think about the time that you have, be it if you're at home by yourself or you have kids around or whatever, you have that time to be able to do whatever you want in the morning. And I think that's our fresh time where we're not saturated with bullshit. I mean, here you are at super early in the morning on this sort of call. Um, but there's, there's a lot that you can get into on your own to be able to work through kind of the unknown of life before you get in and start figuring out again who you are as a person. Oh, I got kids. Oh, I got a wife. Oh, I got a job. I got this. I got that. I got this. I got that. So having those, uh, those routines are huge. I actually had a guest on recently who was talking about how it hit him and he's heard it different ways. I'm sure, you know, you kind of said it around the same way, but he's heard that 
you know, you, you have to, you have to give yourself love and energy before you do anything for your family or friends or whatever. And he's like, I heard all that bullshit before. He's like, it wasn't until it actually sunk in and I got it and was like, oh my God, I'm giving them like half or less than half. If only I spend a little bit of time in the morning, then I can prep myself to be able to do that. Now, how are you helping dads in that sort of way to be able to be better dads before kind of shit hits the fan in a sense? Yeah. Um, so a friend of mine recently reached out that we hadn't um, spoken to each other for ages. So we used to coach kids basketball um, probably about 10, 15 years ago. And he said, you know, look, it's like, I think what you're doing is great. You know, I'm going through a similar situation. And and I, you know, I called him up and said, like, you know, let's um, let's have a chat. And, you know, let's, let's see what, you know, what's been happening. And being able to listen to what someone else is, you know, and connecting and listening to what someone else is, you know, has to say. And, and, and that's, and that's pretty much one of the big things is allowing people to be heard and then giving sort of, you know, like asking questions. I, I found it extremely powerful um, that, you know, even though I use it to myself, like ask myself questions like, okay, what part of this have I contributed to this situation? how may the other person be feeling in this situation and it's amazing when we start to ask ourselves questions or whether in terms of asking questions to other people um, they pretty much we all have the answers within us it's not that we need the answers it's the answers there uh, but it's just being able to open up uh, ourselves or someone else to that realization that okay these are the you know these are you've pretty much got the, the answers already here, but just guiding them to that because we can get so stuck in our heads that that we uh, completely have the inability to, to think clearly, I guess you could say. Yeah, it's almost like we are, I think we're all pretty innately good at being able to talk yourself in and out of things. <clears throat> Therefore, you talk yourself in circles and you're just spinning and spinning and spinning. But being able to talk to somebody else, I find that at different times haven't, client calls or just conversations with friends. They'll talk through things and they'll say, this is a problem. And then as they talk through and you ask a couple questions that are, you know, solid questions, not like, Hey, what's your favorite barbecue sauce? But like an actual relevant question that can get to the point. They're like, Oh shit, I think I figured it out because you're right. We do have those answers that are in us, but it actually takes us talking and being able to get people to talk. Now, do you find that a lot of dads, especially the ones you talk to and work with, have a hard time actually being able to open up? I think once you show vulnerability and that it's okay to, to feel the way that you feel, you know, the emotions are natural. And you know, even for instance, like crying might be one of the things it's like, you know, I can't cry because I'm a man and like, no, that's bullshit. Like it's a, it, it actually, like for me, it, it's helped me, you know, process obviously through the moment and and I see it more as like okay I'm not going to ignore what's going on right now I'm going to deal with the situation and the emotions and everything because I'm not going to allow it to have control over me and once I'm able to you know face it up I, I feel like I in terms of I have actual you know I empower myself to be able to deal with the situation and and I see that with with other dads as well as soon as you show that you know the vulnerability and they feel connected because you know you've gone through the same experience then they feel like they have the permission to be able to 
through vinyl and open and, and 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 it is honestly beautiful to see when they're able to transition from that hatred anger to uh, okay the insights and and understanding and and being able to deal with their emotions and have that self-awareness of of you know being able to catch themselves of, of what's going on when things happen and and understanding that like we're all human we're not gonna get everything right um and and once i see that you know dads are able to to understand that it's like oh okay um i'm okay this is this is, this is like this i oh, will get through this and and things will be all right um <clears throat> i have a suspicion that uh a lot of this bullshit of being a man and what we think is supposed to be manly is from trauma from previous generations that has just been continually fucking passed down where they're like, well, my dad was a douchebag and I don't know why, but I'm going to be a dick to you as well, kid, and just keep passing that stuff down. Now, I think there are people throughout the course of time that weren't like that. But I think as things change, I'm seeing something even happening now. Some of it might be because we have the amount of technology and amount of information that's at our fingertips. But it seems to me like that's starting to change where people like yourself are like, uh, that was bullshit back then and it's bullshit now and needs to stop. But do you think that we can actually make that change as, as men to be able to allow ourselves to be emotional and not, not in a sense be like, all right, well, I got to fucking put dirt on it. Get back in the game here. Yeah. Um, I definitely believe that going through those experiences, you know, build strength in us. Uh, and I think the more people that show that, you know, you, you know, by being able to deal with things is being strong and, and having vulnerability to show your emotions and that isn't necessary. It's not a weakness. Um, and the more, you know, that men decide to sort of be able to take that stance that that isn't a weakness, I think that helps other, um, other men or, you know, whether it's their children to be able to, to, uh, see that, it, you know, it's okay. Um, to feel the way that you do and to be able to have those emotions. Like I even catch myself, even with my you know, three young boys, at times it's like, okay, nah, stop. Because um, I kind of see myself sometimes and it's like, and I see you know, um, me acting as like maybe one of my parents and it's like, okay, nah, stop, take a breath. And then I generally will get down to, you know, my son's level, whoever. Um, whichever son it is and and I'll just talk them through it instead of being like no nah, just stop it that's it like go over there or just you know, go do this because yeah just because I said it's like no like if I, I don't help them in terms of being able to communicate with them it's like you know how are they going to be able to communicate and deal with problems later in life yeah they're not just straight up won't be able to and especially for you to be able to take that on and know like all right I shouldn't do that. Those kids are seeing that. I mean, there are times where I, I find myself being aware, typically when I'm out driving, like somebody will cut me off or something. I'm like, what the fuck? And instantly I'll hear my dad come up. I'm like, man, that was one of those things you taught me to freak out as a kid. And you have to like kind of pull yourself back from it. But having kids in the car when you're like, what the, f oh, I'm sorry, child. All right, let's do this a little different. That's some deep level of awareness, man, to be able to do that. And it sounds like, your morning routines are probably helping with that because that gets you in the right sort of spot. 
So outside of the morning routine, what sort of advice would you give to the audience that's listening uh, for their path towards self-mastery? That anything is possible. And, and, and literally one of the, the, you know, the sayings that I've heard through the Tony Robbins world is that you know, our past doesn't determine our future and we all have the ability to make, make change. And it's a matter of um, you know, making that decision and action and commitment to, to what you actually want um, and focusing on that instead of not what you don't want and being able to set a strategy and you know, a routine in place and, and then you just slowly build up on, on, uh, on, on each habit and eventually, you know, you'll, you'll be in a completely different space. Um, you know, it might take 12 months, but that transformation that you can make in 12 months is, is incredible. Yeah. And if you're going to live another 12 months anyway, why not? <laughs> just keep going. Uh, so, man, Pat, I appreciate you being on. Where can people find you? Where can they connect with you? Yeah, um, you know, resiliencedad.com is our website where we upload our uh, weekly podcast episode, um, as well as, you know, Facebook, Instagram, um, at resiliencedad. Perfect. And is that the plug for the podcast as well? Or is there anything else you want to add about the podcast? No, that, that, that's it. We just, you know, it, it's pretty much um, just trying to share my own experience, which, which I hope that um, is able to help some dad because it's, you know, for me, being able to, if had I been able to sort of um, listen to someone else's experience and know that they were able to get through it, it would have made my journey a lot easier. So that's pretty much the whole purpose of the podcast is to be able to hopefully give someone else the, uh, the insight that, you know, they can get through this. That's good stuff, man. Keep up the great work. Everybody go check out the podcast, Dad or Not. I don't have any kids. I'm going to, so you should too. Uh, Pat, again, it's been a pleasure to have you on, man. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you very much, Nick, for having us on your show. Another great conversation on today's episode of the Mindset and Self Mastery Show. So, what did you think of the show today? I'd love to hear your thoughts and check out the Instagram or Facebook page to join the conversation. If you enjoyed the episode, please jump over to iTunes and subscribe, rate, and leave a five star review. It helps us be found and helps others be healed. If this episode opened your eyes, made you think, or smile at all, then I'm sure it'll do the same for your friends. And check out the show notes for more info from today's episode and check out other episodes on themindsetandselfmasteryshow.com as well as our YouTube channel. Just go to YouTube and look up The Mindset and Self Mastery Show. Thanks again to our incredible guests for being real, honest, and vulnerable with us today. And I'd like to thank our sponsors. And most importantly, I'd like to thank you. Thank you for hanging out with us today. Your support means the world to us. And with that, remember, your mindset matters. And so do you. <laughs>